Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, all those out there in internet land, in the magical world of the crazy place we call the internet, Facebook, all that. We're live on there right now. You guys realize that, right? So if you stand up and like walk right here in front of me, they're going to see you on the internet. And then we're going to have to point you out, and it's going to get awkward for everybody in here and everybody out in the world, so let's not do that. Um, This morning, I want to talk to you guys for a little bit about this idea that I believe we do not do well. You're like, dang, Pastor Mike, why can't you just give us some fluff and let us go home? I got something in the crock pot. I'll give you fluff if you invite me over. Do that and then we'll, we'll talk. But today I want to talk about this thing that I do not think we do well, church, especially in North America. So you see, the church in North America, we gather well. Man, we can gather. We build these awesome buildings. We we have amazing worship bands. We got state-of-the-art equipment. We got padded chairs, air conditioning. We got heat. The lighting is just right. Unless I like move over here. Then the lighting guy gets mad at me. He's like, stay in your box, Pastor Mike. Stay in your box. We gather well. And church, there's nothing wrong with gathering. Like, I love coming together with you guys every Sunday. I love it. I love meeting you guys. I love shaking hands. I love seeing your children. I love asking you questions. I love worshiping with our band and through music. I love seeing the videos. Wasn't that that announcement video done well? Like, I kept thinking, like, how did Miss Olivia get in the lava? Like, that was weird to me. But magic. Green screen. Miss Haley's doing awesome. But we do that stuff so well. And all across North America, there are churches meeting this morning who are doing things well. There are some churches out there today that are doing things so well. If you went into their sanctuary today, or if you went into their children's ministry today, or if you went into their youth ministry today, you would feel like you were in Disneyland. They're doing it well. Church, what we don't do well his disciple. And that should get a response. It should hurt us deep in our soul. Because that's really what Jesus has called us to do. You see, I think sometimes we don't do this well because of two factors. One is the fear factor. We're afraid. We're afraid we're going to mess it up. We're going to get it wrong. We're we're afraid. I remember the first time I got a puppy. Like, I didn't know what to do with a puppy. I just know I didn't want it to die. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know what food to buy it. I didn't know when to feed it. And then somebody told me one time you could overfeed a puppy and it would explode. Like, it doesn't know when to stop eating, so its belly would explode. So I'm like, no. Like, what do I feed this thing? I was afraid. I think sometimes we treat discipleship that way. We're afraid that if we overfeed people, they will explode with Jesus. Church, that's okay. 
So fear plays into this, this, this whole reason why we don't do discipleship well. We think, well, I'm afraid. I don't know what to say, Pastor Mike. I don't know the scriptures myself. I don't know enough. I, I, I don't feel like, like I'm enough. Let me tell you something, guys. That's okay. Fear. The other thing is lack of understanding. I don't think we, I don't think we really know what discipleship is. I just, I'm in part of my master's class now. I'm taking my master's class. I'm taking my MD of my master's of divinity. And one of the things we did recently was we talked about, is evangelism more important or is discipleship more important? That's tough, right? Let me tell you what, church. They're the same process. Like, if you call yourself an evangelist, guess what? You're just part of the discipleship process. It's the same process. There's no either or. We've, we've separated them like they're two different parts of, of, of some, some animal. They're the left hand and the right hand, but they're, they're the same thing. And so I think sometimes our lack of understanding keep us from discipling people. When I was a teenager, I had this lady. Her name was Karen Fisher. And Karen was a volunteer youth leader at our church. Karen was the whitest person I ever met. And I say that because I grew up in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. All my friends are either African-American or Puerto Rican. I was the whitest kid in my neighborhood. Miss Karen had no business hanging out with us. But every Thursday after youth, She would invite us over to her house, and we'd watch television. We'd have Mountain Lightning, not Mountain Dew. We didn't get the good stuff. Like, we got the Walmart cheap brand Mountain Lightning stuff. Like, that's what we got, and we loved it. Like, we thought that was the coolest thing on the planet. We, to this day, we asked Miss Karen if she's going to get us Mountain Lightning. And we'd sit around, we would drink Mountain Light, and we would, we would watch crazy movies, we would, we would just talk, and little did I know, she was discipling us. Because in the middle of watching Fox and the Hound, she would ask us about this guy named Jesus, and how we were doing, have we been praying, have we been reading our Bible, how, have we been telling people about that, this newfound thing that was in our lives. Little did I know she was discipling us. You see, guys, discipleship is not so frightening. It's not so complicated that we all can't do it with just a case of Mount Lightning and some fox and a hound. Every person in here has that capability. Church, every person in here has that mandate. Let me tell you a a few things, because I'm going to tell you these three things really quickly about. If you believe these three things, discipleship is the most important thing you'll do. If you don't believe these three things, then what we're about to talk about can be the most frightening, the most ridiculous, and the most intimidating thing you've ever encountered. Church, how many of you guys believe that nothing is impossible with God? Amen? 
Like if you were to ask that to a Sunday school class, every person would say, I believe in that statement. You know why? Because the angel of the Lord told that to Mary in Luke. In Luke 1, 37, the angel of the Lord looks at Mary and says, look, little girl, you are about to be pregnant. Even though you've never had sexual relationship with anybody, you're about to come with child. That child is going to be the Messiah. And Mary's like, what? (laughs) And the angel of the Lord looks at her and says, nothing is impossible with God. Now, listen, church, listen to the language. It doesn't say nothing is impossible for God. Now, we do believe that, that nothing is impossible for God. He can do whatever he wants, when he wants, with who he wants. Nothing is impossible for God. But that verse, the verse that the angel quoted to Mary is nothing is impossible with God. Church, discipleship is not, is not impossible when you're with God. But see, I don't think we really believe that. The other thing is, do you believe that Jesus makes you new through his death? St. Corinthians 5, 17 Whoever belongs to Christ, whoever believes in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Church, again, if we were in a Sunday school class today and we asked that question, are you new in Jesus? Everybody in here would go, yeah, yeah, we're all new. Woo, let's sing about it. But do we really, really believe that when we talk about Jesus and Jesus has an encounter with people, they are made new? Discipleship. And do you really believe that the Holy Spirit of God empowers you to do things beyond your own ability? Acts 1.8. But you receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will empower you to do things that you yourself are not able to do without the help of the Holy Spirit. Church, I believe that we think we believe that. I believe that we write it in our doctrinal statements. I believe that it's in our discipline. And yet sometimes I don't think we, we really get over the hump to where we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, the living God, wants to empower us to do things beyond our own ability. Look, I couldn't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. People look at me and say, Pastor Mike, you, man, you can preach. I don't do this on my own power, y'all. Catch me afterwards out there in the hallway and I'll show you exactly how well I speak. It's awkward and hood and I don't know grammar well. I stutter sometimes. I say um and huh a lot. My wife's like, she says something, I go, huh? And she just waits because she knows I know what she said. I just, it's a reaction. I just go, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get the trash. But the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to do things that we just can't do on our own. Listen, if you believe those three things, that nothing is impossible with God. 
that when you meet Christ, you are a new person. And that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do things that are beyond your own power. You're ready to disciple someone. Now notice what I didn't say. You don't have this memorized. You see, for a long time there in the 80s, we thought the only way we could disciple is if we memorized every word in this book. We had to know the scriptures. We had, to, we had to memorize them. We had to have them written down. We had to be able to recite it. We had to be able to quote the whole book of James to be able to disciple somebody. Guys, the power of the Holy Spirit will give you that ability to recall things that you study, even if you don't think you've studied it enough. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to do things far beyond my own abilities. I believe those people that I run into, that I look at them and go, there's no way they can be saved. I believe that if they run into an encounter with Jesus Christ, they will be made new. They will be a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. I believe in that. I also believe that nothing in this world is impossible with God. Tiffany, please do not pray for us to have children. I got two. I got the set, and, and, we, and we, we quit, and I'm okay with that. But nothing is impossible with God. This is where it gets interesting. Anybody in here this morning who is under the age of 30? Oh, people, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not counting you out. I promise. We're going to get there. I'm, I'm over 30, so I'm in this group. I'm, I'm not in this group. Anybody under the age of 30, stand up for me. Anybody, I don't care if you're a child, if you're married, under the age of 30. Look at that church. My question to you is stay standing. I want to ask you a question. And I want you guys to be looking at me when you are. When you're standing up, you usually look at me because you're like, if I, he's going to make fun of me. I'm not, I promise. Listen, who are you allowing to plant you and water you right now. And I'm not talking about coming on Sunday morning to hear a, a, a decent sermon and, and experience some amazing worship through music. Who are you allowing to water you and plant you right now? Go ahead, y'all can sit down. Now, everybody who's over 30, stand up. That's the rest of y'all. <laughs> Honey, I had to make sure you were standing up so you didn't lie to anybody. <laughs> I want to ask you this question. Who are you watering? And who are you planting right now? church I'm serious about this there are a bunch of people in here under 30 who need somebody to plant and water them who is it that who's that one person two people five people that you're watering and planting this morning you guys can sit down You see, as Pastor Nick said, I 100% believe 
in the next generation. You see, I don't believe that they're the church of tomorrow. I believe that they are the church of today. But they are the next generation. They are who will be leading the charge of Jesus Christ in the coming days. And what happens a lot of times, guys, the young people look at the old people, the old people look at the young people, and we're scared of each other. Look, I'm 43 now. I'm still a youth pastor. I do not understand your teenagers. Y'all think, oh, he's a youth pastor. He's an expert on the subject. No, I don't understand them. I don't get them. I don't get some of the words they use. I don't get some of the stuff they put online. I'm like, what is, I don't understand this. Like, why is this even funny? But here's what I know. I know that they're important to God. And I know that they're going to be leading the church. So I want to pour everything I have into them. Because my days are coming to an end pretty quickly. And if I don't equip them, if I don't water them, if I don't plant them, guess who's going to? The world. Because they're going to tell them they're important. They're going to tell them what it takes to be important. And they're going to believe it. I'm going to read for you what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, if you got your Bibles, you can turn there. That's what we're going to focus on for just a second. 1 Corinthians 3, it's this, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth is a church that was pretty well known. It was in a metropolitan area. It was kind of a big time. And Paul had heard about some quarreling, some, some, some fear, some lack of understanding, and he decided he was going to address it. And I love what he says here, the first part of ver- or chapter 3, verse 1, says, Dear brothers and sisters, now listen, when you ever re- whenever you read that in the Bible, you know that Paul or whoever's writing is addressing people who already know Jesus. So church, he's talking to the church right now. Sometimes I think we get confused, like, always oh, talking to unsaved people. No, no, no. He's talking to the church right now. He says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. Verse 2. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready. For you still were controlled by your sinful nature. You were jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you were controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and the other says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We were but mere God's servants to whom you believed the good news. The first thing. If we're to get this discipleship thing right, to plant and water people, if we were going to get it right, you have to realize that you are still on milk because that's what you want. I know that's kind of mean. But if you're sitting here today and you're not growing as a Christ follower... And we're to believe the three things that I stated just a minute ago, that, that the, the power of the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do things beyond your own, your own control, that, that God wants to make people 
knew that when we're in Christ, because of his death and his resurrection, we are made new, and that nothing is impossible with God. If we're to believe those three things, if you're sitting in this room tonight or this morning, and you're online this morning, and you're thinking to yourself, all I want is the easy stuff. If all you're getting is milk, it's because that's all you want. That's not because what you're being fed, because God wants to give you more. It's a choice to stay on milk. And Paul says, I just have to keep feeding you milk because that's all you're going to process. Church, I'm so tired of feeding church people milk. I want to go engage hard stuff. I want to go engage for the voiceless and the oppressed and the orphan and the widow. And I want to go engage social justice. I want to go engage, but I want to take the Holy Spirit with me because nothing is impossible with God. I want to go engage people who are hard. And I want to disciple along the way. If you're not discipling anybody and you're not being discipled, all you're doing is drinking milk. I remember the first time I fed my son something other than milk. You know how it is. My mom was there and my mom was like, all, now, now all he's going to want is human food. Now all he's going to want is real food. He ain't going to eat the baby food anymore. He ain't going to eat the milk anymore. He's just going to want human food from now on, real food, adult food. Not that we fed our children not human food before. Uh, something. I wouldn't have ate it. But all he wants now is adult food. Okay. Church, it's time for us to start doing adult things. It's time for us to start doing Jesus things. It's time for us to disciple people hard and engage with hard conversations. Paul says, you get milk, because that's all you desire is milk. The second thing, if we get this discipleship thing right, is that everyone in here is a waterer or planter. Everyone in here should be watering and planting. You see, planting is the process of helping something develop roots. You take something, you plant it, and you hope, your hope is that it develops roots. You got to dig the hole. You got to put it in there. You got to cover it up. You got to monitor it. You got to put it in the right place. You got you to empower it to grow. That's what planting is. Everyone in here is at the place where they should be planting someone. And in our context of Christianity, of Jesus followers, the planting part of this process is to tell somebody about Jesus. And then some of us in here are waterers. Water is somebody just comes along and cultivates and waters the, the dirt and, and makes sure the, the nutrients are being given to the, the plant. You water. Some of you guys are really good at this. Like you encourage, you empower. You're a waterer. Paul says in verse 5, Last part of five, it says, who are we but God's servants? Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Church, God has given you work all the time. 
You may not know it. It may, ju- it may just be sitting around eating, drinking Mountain Lightning and watching a movie. But he's giving you work. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. Look, church, here's the good news. You don't have to save anybody. You don't have to grow anybody. You just got to plant and water. You just got to plant and water. You just got to plant and water. It says that I I planted, Apollos watered, God made it grow. As a discipler, I have to be, I have to rejoice in that fact that all I got to do is plant and water, plant and water, plant and water. I don't have to save anybody. I don't have to grow anybody. I just got to plant and water, plant and water. That's what I do as a discipler. It's just that easy, guys. It's not, it's not scary because their salvation isn't dependent on me. It's dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to move them toward Jesus. But I plant in a water, I plant in a water. And then Paul goes on, he says, it is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. <laughs> it's, there's no reason for us to argue, is this evangelism better, is discipleship better? It's the same process. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. The last thing I want you to hear in this discipleship process is not only are some of us on milk because that's what we want, not only are we planters and waterers, but this is a trinity-centric process. I know that's a $3 million word. But let me break it down to you. Paul says this in verse 16 and 17. Skip on down. He says, do you realize that you all are together, are God's temple, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. The Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we're to believe that nothing is impossible with God, if we are to believe that Christ, anyone who has a, a, an encounter with the real Jesus, is made new, if we are to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to do things beyond your own power. We believe that this discipleship thing is a Trinity-centric process, which means it is central to what the Trinity wants to do in the world today. It's not a me-centric process. It's not a your pastor's-centric process. Because a lot of people think, well, my pastor does the discipling. My job is just to go in and gather up the fish and get them in the boat. No, 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 no. We're all disciples. We're all planters. We're all waterers. It's not a pastor-centric process. It is a Trinity-centric process. This is important. It is central to what the Trinity wants for our world, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, gardening 
is messy. It's messy. You see, we started a garden at our house last year. And, and farming is in my blood. I know when you look at me, you're like, that guy's a farmer. I know you can tell right away, like, he farms a lot. In his first edition Jordans and his designer jeans, he's got to be a farmer. But farming is in my blood. My dad grew up on a farm. My grandfather was a big-time farmer. He was one of the, he, he farmed some of the most, most of the land in our county. My grandfather farmed it when he was, when he was alive. Farming is in my blood. It comes deep, deep in my blood. It kind of stopped with me because I hated it. You know why? Because it was hard. It was messy. I, I have soft, moisturized hands. <laughs> and whenever the dirt gets underneath my nails, I spend hours trying to get it out. It's hard. It's messy. You got to get in with your hands and dig things out. You got to hold things. You got to rake things. You got to plant when it's right. You got to know when it's right. You got to water it. You got to cultivate it. You got to pull the weeds. You got to get in there and get dirty. But let me tell you, church, there is nothing greater than cooking a meal when I planted it, watered it, harvested it, cut it, and cooked it myself out of my stuff and my labors. There's nothing like that. Last year we had this garden. That's what we did. It was so good. Church, there's nothing like in this entire world sitting with someone and walking through hard things with them. It's going to be messy. You're going to lose some along the way. Some people are going to reject the idea. But listen, we're just waterers. We're just planters. God does the rest. God saves. God grows. God harvests at the end. Church, this is so important to the next generation of what North American church is going to look like. We have to get this right. I know next fall we're going to launch a thing for the students. My goal is that every five students, five to eight, every five to eight students we have, they have an adult mentor. And look, you don't have to understand them. You don't have to discipline them. Guess what? They're kind of like grandkids. You take them in, feed them, and you send them home. Discipleship. But my goal is next fall we have one adult mentor for every five to eight kids we have in our student ministry. That's, that's how important this is to me. And I think that's how important this is to God. I think that's how important this is to the next generation of the North American church. Because church, we've got this gather thing down. But the next generation doesn't care how well we gather. They don't. That's why this place isn't full with teenagers and millennials, because they don't care how much we gather. They want to know how well you disciple. And I believe 
I believe that nothing is impossible for God and with God. I believe that when people meet Jesus, they're a new person. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do something amazing through each one of us, far beyond our own power. So I'm not scared. And I don't care if I fully understand it. But I'm going to disciple. My question to you this morning, church, is who are you watering? Who are you planting? Who are you allowing to water you? Who are you allowing to plant you? So I'm going to pray. And this is just how we're going to end this morning. If you want to come down, if the prayer team wants to come and you want prayer this morning, they will gladly pray with you this morning. But here's what I want to do. I just want you to think of one person that you can disciple this year. One person. And ask God to lay that name on your heart and your mind. Begin to pray for opportunity. Maybe set up a lunch time with them just to get them to know them. And, and, and just, just love on them. And let it happen. Let's pray. Father God, I pray right now that you're laying many names on the hearts of your church this morning. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to step out of the comfort, the safety in numbers, and get real and authentic with someone. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here that needs disciple, that they will will ask, that they will be found. As a church, may we help identify them and get them the the tools and the, the discipleship that they need. Father, if there's any among us that do not know you, I pray that your spirit would speak a sweet, still, small voice to their soul today that you love them no matter what and that they mean the world to you. Father, I pray for the next generation. Father, I'm excited for what you're going to do through them, for the kingdom, for this world. Father, be with us the rest of this day and this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. People ask me all the time, like, what are you, what are you excited about? The one thing that really excites me about our student ministry 
is I see this happen all the time in the midst of our students. Our, our older students are already mentoring the younger students. And our younger students are catching it like it's normal. And they're like, you know what? We want to mentor the even younger students. Church, if we would do that, it would catch on and it would just be our culture. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. And God even loves you more than I do. Hope you have a great week and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Disciple somebody this week. In Jesus' name, we'll see you.